0: Welcome back to Reggie's Comic Stories I think this is would be episode 15 uh, I'm here every other Monday On uh, ChrisAndReggie.com And also on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play iHeartRadio other, other ones, I don't, I don't remember all of them offhand I used to know that list pretty well I think I got most of them actually Uh, but you can find me there Alternating with Chris, who does Chris's on Infinite Earths Which is him, uh, going over a comic that Well, a specific comic, and then relating it to Uh, experiences in his life Um, over here at Reggie's Comic Stories I've talked about a lot of things I've talked, you know, I've done bios of certain authors I've taken excerpts from certain books Or interviews, uh Talked about a variety of comics-related things But recently, uh, and this goes even back to before uh, I was on my hiatus uh, I've been interested in collecting uh, Probably through my dealings in comics But I've been really interested in the psychology of it Um, Just, you know, why do we collect things And what do our collections mean to us And what I've come up with so far is a variety of things. There's no one unifying answer to explain why people collect, or even types of collections. You know, there are so many different variations uh, on how far people are willing to go with the things they collect, or the things that they collect, there might be such a finite amount of them that, you know, they could theoretically finish their collection relatively quickly, or at least know what they have to do to finish their collection, you know, uh, where they're you know, what the rare stamps are Or something that they would need to get To collect them, whatever the case Whatever the collection is So what I'd like to use this space for uh, Which is Reggie's comic stories As I mentioned uh, This would be episode 17 actually Now that I'm looking at my notes um, Is to talk about collecting For the next few episodes I'd, la- I'd love for this to be uh, A two-way street With uh, my listeners Um that we could talk to each other about collecting. I'd love to hear about your collecting experiences, uh, and I'm going to be definitely using my own collecting uh, experiences on this show uh, and try to get to the bottom of of what it is. You know, what is the impulse? What spurs us on to collecting? um i saw recently uh, a tweet and got gotcha. i can't remember who wrote it i, I got to be i apologize but they were saying something like i think it might have been actually comics in the golden age who said something like um You know, you don't start a collection like, I'm going to collect this thing. It's like you you get one, then you get another one, and then you have a few, and then suddenly you want to have them all. That's really, you know, it just kind of sneaks up on you, which I think is true most of the time, but I think that's actually in an era that there are things made, manufactured, specifically for collecting, uh, at least so many of them. I don't know if that's true anymore, or if you just say, I'm going to be, Oh, I'm going to be a Pokemon collector, or I'm going to be a uh, what are those things? The uh, you know the the big headed toys. I'm a, a Funko Pops collector. Like you, do you just decide that one day, you know the, because you can do that. But, you know that's the thing. It's not a matter of like you got into something, uh, and got a few copies, a few comics, let's say, and then you were like, wow, I want to have all of these. Hulk issues of Hulk, and then that leads you into. I want to have all of these issues of the Avengers and whatever else. So, um, first, let me tell you. You know, for myself as far, far as what I collect, uh, I feel like I've always collected something, but when I really searched my mind, I couldn't really think of anything in the early years that I was particularly uh, enthralled with. I had an older brother. Who would have uh, filled that mark? As far he used to collect wacky packages, and in fact, he was a much more compulsive collector than I ever was. He collected a lot of different things in his life, but when I was very young, he collected the wacky packages. He collected the baseball cards, you know, and like they were there for me to fool around with, uh, you know, if he wasn't in the house. Um, But you know, for myself, I didn't really collect too much. I don't think it was really when I hit about seven or eight years old that I started to have a little bit of agency and I could go out into the world. And at that time, I think the first thing I collected was TV guides, because uh, I would get them at the house. And as a matter of fact, we would get two copies, because my grandmother lived on an, in an apartment on the first floor, and my family, uh, my immediate family, we occupied the top two floors of this house. So. There would be two copies of the TV Guide And I would just take one of them When the week was up uh, No one complained And then I would go to the comic shop And for as for a reason I'm going to explain in a minute For those that don't know But uh, I, for lack of anything else to buy I would buy old TV Guides And I actually had I had quite a nice little collection Although there were, for me there was no rhyme or reason to it There was no like Oh I gotta get the one I think maybe I did get one with like Jackie Gleason on the cover But for the most part, if it wasn't in the You know, most recent ten years I didn't know anybody on these covers It wasn't like I knew who uh, You know, the the members of the cast Of my three sons were, or whatever it is Um, I didn't collect comics really as a kid And the reason is, and a lot of people know this Is that my father worked for DC Comics And as a result, we got all of the DC and Marvel and Epic Comics for free every week uh, he had to have them To read for continuity's sake But my brother and I would Pilfer through them, and as a matter of fact, my brother Would collect them for quite a while uh, Which became its own Beast, I, that's a story for another day That I probably will tell In one of these uh, episodes about collecting But uh, You know, I, I Didn't collect them so much as I would read them And th- I, you have to understand How many there were And how rapidly they're. Became too many for us to deal with Uh so that they were like all over the floor We were stepping on them The covers were coming off They were a mess Although I got a bunch of uh horror comics From the 60s and 70s um I guess around then Sometime in the mid 80s And I've always kept them I still have those So that's part of what I'm talking about You know like what made me save those But the comics I got Some of which I remember loving uh from you know, my father, I'd never kept those Now the other thing that I collect today And th- through my life I collected music I had a ridiculous CD collection at one time uh, And a pretty sizable record collection That I eventually got rid of both of those Actually I, the CDs are in wallets The, the records I did sell uh, And did pretty well actually I was kind of surprised, but that was nice um, Currently I would say I'm definitely Could be said to be collecting books Um, You know, especially collections of comics Collections of older comics Or ones that I like in particular Particular. The other thing that I collect I I don't think people know A lot of people know this Is I collect uh, Ephemera from the 1939-40 World's Fair And I'm definitely going to be talking about that In future episodes Because uh, the nature of that collection Is so different from my comics collecting or any other kind of collecting that I've done uh, And I think for different reasons It's, it's kind of interesting It kind of does go into the psychology of collecting uh, Most people, they collect something to you know, relive their childhood or, But also to connect themselves to a period or time That they feel strongly about uh, and that's how, kind of how I feel about that 1939 period. I've always romanticized it. but you know the full discussion for that is for another episode. So collecting anything, uh, I think was basically something rich people did until the late 19th century because most people, rank and file people didn't have the space nor the, uh, you know acumen, the, the, the money necessary to, collect things. Even things that are free, they wouldn't really have the space, they wouldn't really have the logical reason to collect bottles or certain pebbles, which is not to say that no one ever did, but it definitely was not really a widespread cultural thing. It was something rich people did. They collected art or artifacts, you know, uh, and it was really an expression of their wealth Or, some you know, some could say for the same reasons that we collect things, also the nostalgia and because they want to connect to a certain time period. But we also know people, uh, for example, those of you who have been to Boston and have been to the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum this is someone that just had a mania, a compulsion to collect art, didn't really have a uh, real rhyme or reason to it, and that's why the art in her. Home, which is now the museum Is like pictures stacked in front of pictures You don't even know what, what what's really in the full collection I mean, they do now But you couldn't back in the day You couldn't regard it and, and tell right away uh, Then in the late 19th century Kind of things, fortunes changed uh, First of all, more Pocket money was ceded to the average person because of the Industrial Revolution. Suddenly, there were a bunch of brand new jobs that needed to be manned, and that created a lot more goods, and then that created a lot more uh, opportunities for wealth, and then that in turn landed in the worker's pocket. So, you know, early on, we can say that the worker did contribute to his own. Uh, Profit in a kind of a roundabout way, although usually after quite a bit of that money had been also taken away by an executive branch or force of that uh, company. So, this uh, once these, you know, bulk of uh, mass produced items, when once there was like a lot of them. Uh, we needed new markets in order to sell them. Otherwise, you know, you're just making stuff. You're just making widgets for nothing. Uh, just cranking up bars of soap or whatever it was that we were doing. And a lot of that, actually, in the late 19th century, if you look at it, uh, you know, a lot of America's uh, overseas land, the Philippines, uh, an attempt at taking Cuba, uh, you know, which led that the Spanish-American War happened right there. It was to secure these different... Uh, you know, <clears throat> buying powers. You know, we we had made deals with Europe after years of isolationism. Suddenly we we're talking to Europe, we're talking to Asia, we're talking to everywhere, you know what I mean? And it, that's when America really emerged out of its isolationist period. Uh, I don't know why I'm giving this this kind of off-the-cuff history lesson. The point is, uh, we had to offload these mass-produced goods, uh, and, you know, this was... Kind of led to a fomentation of collecting That now, not only could the average person Afford bars of soap But if they wanted to They could keep the wrapper That the bar of soap came in That was, that was all part of the purchase price, buddy You know what I mean? And if you had whatever it takes For people to want to start collecting Then that's what, how you could do it um, Also, these new manufacturing techniques uh, In the Industrial Revolution They created a lot of byproducts Um, Which then they had to do something with Uh, You know, comics, for example Are basically a byproduct of modern day offset printing Uh, That's something where a printer needs to be run Three shifts a day, 51 weeks a year With one week for maintenance uh, In order to become profitable And that's been true for, you know, over a century now As far as I know uh, back, Back to the 19th century, the late 19th century Um, And so the comics sort of came out because Eastern Color Printing needed something for its third shift They didn't have anything to print, and since they needed to keep the thing running They decided to print these, uh, you know, free comics, or some have said that five-cent stickers were applied to them later But these comics for Woolworths to give out, it was better for them to do a giveaway than it was to... Uh, Let's just let the printer be idle And so count books were created And now this was another thing people could collect Even though it's kind of a goofy thing to collect Because it's paper But that's okay Uh, So yeah, you know, like I said These collections, you know, especially nowadays They allow people to relive their childhood But I really got to think about those initial people collecting I think it may have done something like You know, packaging was not really something Worth keeping uh, The first t- uh, Cards that came with cigarettes Tobacco cards which were really the first Collectible people didn't think of Collecting them until the unnumbered series Came out and once it became clear That there was a, a limited amount of These things that could be had uh, They became Collectible people started collecting them Right away and and then they did the same thing For the other cigarette cards and then Cigarette cards became its own Cottage industry or even People that collected wrappers for soap Or old shoe boxes I mean these things still exist today Even these in people's Collections or you know usually Hoarding piles but we will Get to hoarding as well Uh but, But in general people do Collect things nostalgically Um but again, you know, it, it it runs the gamut, to be honest with you, because uh, some people, for example, might want to collect comics just from their childhood. Then there's another group of people that want to collect comics far beyond their childhood. They want every comic, ostensibly, or they, and they want every type of a certain comic. But uh, we will get into all of that, I, I hope to, over the next few weeks. So, uh, you know, psychologists have said that... Uh, These collections allow people to relive their childhood or connect themselves to a period or time they feel strongly about. Uh, Their collections help them ease insecurity and anxiety about losing a part of themselves and to keep the past to continue to exist in the present. Uh, That is part of collecting, I think, for a lot of people. And when I think about my World's Fair collection, that's sort of part of what it is, although as I've gotten older... You know, having the artifact for myself has surpassed having it for posterity. But that's a whole separate thing uh, that I think actually has to do with when my wife and I decided we were not going to have children. And when we made that decision, keeping things for a child's benefit suddenly was not useful to me anymore. It was not uh, something that I thought about. Now I really do keep things for me to gaze upon, and it's kind of goofy when you really think about it, but it does change the nature of what you're collecting and how you do keep it. Uh, There's also the thrill of the hunt, and I think any collector will tell you that having the item is nowhere near... Uh, The excitement of looking for the item Or not having it and looking for it That's, you know what I mean? Like, in, in the extent of comics, for example If you're missing an issue out of a run Then every time you go to the comic shop Is a potential thrill And just that potential It's like a kinetic energy that just kind of, like, drives you, you know And this goes for anything people collect uh, if you're collecting certain toys, every time you you know go into some old lady's attic or old man's attic, old people's attic, uh, it's a potential windfall, and that potential is exciting. The thrill of the hunt is definitely at the core of anybody's collecting impulse. Let's say uh, you know, depending on what level of that is, will will determine how. Thrilled they get uh, And you know that's that's Essentially what it comes down to um, You know some people You know the internet has Reduced that but I think that People that those aren't people that collect People that use the internet Solely for certain Items or to for collecting Items that's not true actually you know I think that's unfair to say people Can collect that way also But uh, You know it just lacks a certain, like, opening a door and there's the record that you've been looking for in, you know, for five years is right here behind some weird door in someone's, you know, garage. Uh, it just can't have the same... But, you know, then, again, just not every item is available on the internet every day, so there's there's that aspect also. Uh, most collections, though, for this... Reason it turns out, and this was I did find out through research, uh, can never and will never be completed. Now, there are certain collections that, that exist in the world, uh, like you say that you collect stamps. There are certain stamps that it's known that there aren't any examples extant, except for those being kept in certain locations and certain in a museum. And yeah you could say that I could one day, you know, there could be an apocalypse. The museum could be hit by a bomb, and I could go in there and get that stamp. But more than likely, it's not going to end up in your personal collection. And, you know, that's something that as a collector you have to just deal with. You know, I see a lot of people in comics uh, out there that really appear to be trying to collect every comic, which is an incredible feat to try to accomplish but it, it must be understood that it's not very likely that you're going to accomplish that. You know, the biggest collection that I know of, at least, which is the uh, Stephen and Maggie Thompson collection, uh, which now Maggie Thompson, I think she's, she's starting to sell it now, actually, but she was overseeing it for a couple of decades, a few decades there. Uh, I believe to be the most collection, the most complete collection of comics in existence. Uh, if I'm wrong, please somebody correct me, because that, that's what I've thought for quite a while now, but I know it's a massive, like, warehouse-sized collection of comics going back to the Golden Age. But most collections can't be completed, uh, even, you know, coins, artifacts, uh, you know, there's no completing it. You could, some of them can be, um, but... Usually then the collector, if the collector says, for example, I'm only going to collect Tiffany lamps, but then in the course of that, they discover another kind of lamp and they want to collect that too. That's that's really very common. Uh, and again, I'm sure you comics collectors can agree with that, that once you finish a run, that doesn't mean that you're done collecting for good. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of people have likened collecting to an addiction Uh, I'm going to say personally, and and the psychologists, uh, the official psychological thinking is that it's not an addiction, and I agree with that, because there are qualities of collecting, especially for certain collections or collectors, that would liken to an addiction, but it never gets to a point where, you know, someone can go out and just get anything to assuage that feeling of collecting. I think that there is a feeling of possessing, uh, you know, of shopping and possessing Tchotchkes as we would say, uh, more in New York or whatever. Just like anything, that definitely, I think there's definitely a shopping impulses, a shopping addiction, and uh, that kind of thing. But collecting is different, you know. If you, again, I'm going to liken it to comics. If you're trying to finish your your run of Alpha Flight, well, you know, an issue of Daredevil isn't going to cut it. It's not going to be like, well, that's that's almost as good. That'll tide me over. It's just not going to do anything. You know what I mean? You need to you need to finish your collection of Alpha Flight. Only those issues will do. So I I don't think that collecting can be considered an addiction. But there are definitely properties they share among certain people uh, and certain types of collections and types of collectors. Uh, now most psychologists assign Freudian impulses to collecting. Um, You know this would be You know kind of the reliving your childhood Idea and that it's sort of a Anal pursuit it's sort of A you know second stage Of development pursuit to have everything In order to have everything uh, Available and everything is mine Kind of idea Uh, They highlight the controlling and impulsive Dark side of collecting The need uh, for people to have Quote an object of desire End quote which uh, I think ultimately is probably true, but I don't think it has to be so sinister, quite frankly. Uh, this desire, and hence the innate propensity to collect, begins at birth. The infant first desires the uh, an emotional and physical comfort of the boob, and uh, then the familiar baby blanket that the child clings for, then the stuffed animals. And so on and so forth and then they you know, they realize that emotional security is attached to these items and so they become, you know, interested in collecting. And, you know, maybe that's true. You know, I remember I stuffed animals I had as a kid, I would definitely kind of arrange them and play with them and talk to them. But I definitely never felt like, oh I need another one. I, I don't even, I don't know if it occurred to me. As a little kid, that you could just be want another stuffed animal. It was like you just you either got them from family or you didn't. There weren't any. I felt like they controlled the supply, I guess. Uh, so there is also the to talk of the unemotional collectors for profit. There's be the people that collect autographed comics at uh, c- conventions and then sell them on eBay. The most Terrible people in the world According to, you know, many comics creators That do the signings uh, And we'll maybe talk about that down the line A couple episodes away About how I feel about that If you if it's not obvious by my chortling But, you know, there's this idea that These collectors for profit are totally unemotional They're uninvested in their stuff They can just turn around and, and sell it And I don't believe that to be totally true You can't be a successful Flipper we'll we'll call them Unless you have an understanding Of what you're flipping okay. So for example if you're flipping comics uh, Unless you know Which comics are uh, You know the most wanted And why Then you're not going to really do well at it You know you have to be already Interested in the comics Now you may be more interested in money Or you know part of your interest Is just like saying I flipped uh, Hulk 129, or whatever it is, you know what I mean. I flipped, uh, you know, I, I had act, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15 in my hands, and I flipped it for many thousands of dollars, and that was enough. That was that thrill the thrill of touching it, and the thrill of the then, you know, gaining a lot of money from it, which is an, a, any, a thrill anyone can understand. Um, I think that's all part of it, and you have to like the material. Or at least have some kind of close understanding in order to really profit in any of these uh, things where these collectors are flipping things Now the author of many autograph collecting books, a man named Mark Baker Describes most autograph seekers as being emotionally motivated to collect Uh, In 2005 he estimated that over 90% of autograph collectors have no intention to sell their wares if not for money, and assuming issues arising from childhood were long resolved, then what reasons uh, people give for collecting? What, what reasons do they have? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is true, again, when we look at comics. Oh, this, this is true also for cards, or anything that we would call probably collectible today. There are plenty of people, yeah, they want every comic, but they don't want the doubles. You know, they'll sell the doubles, and, you know, they'll you know, grade several issues of the same one to get the, you know, maximum dollar out of it, you know, in that they still have their collection at home. Uh, quite frankly, most of them do want doubles, but, you know, you may not want the triples or whatever it is, uh, or sometimes it's just a comic is too, is too valuable to pass up selling, but it doesn't mean that you, you know, are just everything you have is for sale. So, again, I, I do think that people that flip are... Still invested in what they're flipping They just, you know, that's what they enjoy Doing with it, is making a little Cashola off of it Now, uh, Petrulius, He was a, form, a former outfielder At St. Mary's University in Winona, in Winona, Minnesota Is also an avid Autograph collector, well known among that Community, and he said uh, For me there are three sides to it The thrill of the chase Seeing who will sign that day Second The collecting aspect Trying to put together one of the best autograph collections around And finally Feeling more connected to the game Because I actually meet the guys playing Instead of just seeing them on television Uh, And that's interesting You know, the autograph part of it Autograph collecting Which is a huge world of collecting You know, full of people that verify autographs And, you know Speculate on them and whatever Uh, You know, there's an adventure to them. I shook hands with Billy D. Williams. I, uh, whatever it is, you know. I, 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 looked at Luke Skywalker right in his eyes. I don't know, whatever. I'm thinking of the two Star Wars guys, but think of all the people that could uh, sign things. All the sports guys. It just goes on and on and on. If you really become a avid, avid autograph collector of all types. Now, uh, I mentioned that would we might touch on hoarding i believe and if people have different ideas about this i would love if you contact me and let me know but i believe that um, collecting is on a spectrum that begins on one end on the lowest end with minimalism okay not maybe living in a tiny house have all your you know possessions fit into a small backpack or you own nothing you know, that would be minimalist, you know, the monastic life. And on the other end of the spectrum is hoarding. Uh, now, hoarding is, you know, the, but, you know, I don't think hoarding is collecting, ultimately. Uh, and I think the reasons people hoard are are different in general than why people collect. I don't think they're trying to connect to a certain time period, for example. Usually hoarding doesn't come in with such a specific... Uh, tendencies To only collect certain things For example uh, I think back to the Collier brothers is probably the first and most famous uh, Public example of hoarding uh, The Homer and Langley were their names They died in 1947 But they left behind them a mansion That they had not left for over Well the two of them had not left for over a decade And one of them hadn't left in a, couple, in a few decades, uh, the, there were, one of the brothers went blind and the other brother was caring for him and would go out and bring back food and newspapers. And was. he said he was hanging on to stuff for when his brother regained his sight. But uh, that never happened. And eventually one of them died because a pile of garbage collapsed on him. And then the other one died because the blind one who needed his brother to exist... He died, but they, they died inside of a mountain of trash inside of this mansion. Now, there was also a, a part, this mansion was in Harlem. There was also an aspect where when the neighborhood changed over to being African American, they didn't want to leave their apartment so much. And a uh, matter of fact, one of them never left during the day ever again. Uh, so there was even a racist component to this. But the point is, uh, in this case that they had uh, so much garbage inside, and it was like they had a full mon- uh, automobile inside of the house. Uh, they had, like, newspapers going back for decades and decades. They had, you know, all types of stuff, you know, as well as their own bodies were just lodged in there. The guy had set up, you know, booby traps, which is basically what ended up killing them, uh, you know, so that people who wouldn't come and get their... Glorious garbage, but now we can talk... We probably even have people in our family or people that we know or stories that we've heard. You know, if you've been a landlord, I guarantee you, you know, if you've done it for a number of years, you've seen a hoarder. Uh, It's really... It really seems like a relatively common thing. I'm sure it's, you know, it's only a small percentage of people, but it seems like enough that, you know, everyone has been touched by it. Uh, And these, these are people... That are hoarding for security and for a feeling of safety, but it without the order usually, you know, uh, or at least the way. That's my perception of it. And you know, if I'm off base, I'll let you know how to contact me if you don't already, and let me know what you think about it. Um, People can collect almost anything though out there, and this is really what I want to get into. It's not just about comics collecting, which has its own spectrum, but I want to hear from People that collect other things as well, and uh, you know, maybe we can get you know some kind of consensus on on what this collecting bug is. Uh, Henry Welcome, a pharmacist, spent 40 years collecting over a million sharp objects that he felt represented the the history of medical science. He would open a museum called the Museum of Medical Science, which operated during World War One, uh, closed out You can go to the Muter Museum in Philadelphia, though, which has much the same thing, but that was. Stuff collected for a 19th century physician school Uh, Demi Moore apparently has an entire house Filled exclusively with her dolls And Sharon Stone collects cashmere sweaters There's also coins, rocks, stamps People out there collect soap bars There's a man who has collected 30,000 toenail clippings And a British fellow with a massive collection of belly button lint In jars So that's some strange mania. People that collect umbrella cover sleeves, that collect Coca-Cola cans, chicken-related items, uh, troll dolls. Here's one I thought, uh, food-shaped erasers. And when I really thought about it, there are a lot of food-shaped erasers out there. And uh, cans also, like oil cans or even uh, soda cans and things like that. So uh, it anything so if you collect any of this stuff or you know people that have unusual collections of unusual in size or what that it is that they collect uh, I would love it if you'd contact me personally at reggie Reggie uh, at gmail.com I'm also at reggie Reggie on Twitter uh, if you want to contact the show if that makes you feel comfortable that's uh, weird science weird comics history at gmail.com And uh, that's Mill on Twitter. But if you could write to me personally about this, because I'd like to get several dialogues going with people. uh, And I know that some of you listen to this uh, know what it's like to collect. And, you know, this isn't about shaming anybody or, um, you know, I definitely don't feel that, you know, any one collection is more, quote, real than any other one. Everyone collects in their own way. And uh, for their own reasons. And I just really want to hear about them. But I think that's going to wrap it up for now. I'm sorry that this episode was sort of, uh, you know, all over the place. I'm still getting back into the groove, folks. You know, I've been away for a little while. But I am back. I will be here every other Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, that's all there is to it. So until next time, I want you to keep it collectively cool.